0: The Truth News
1: Network palestinians lob missiles into heavily populated areas of israel and the outcry is for israel to stand down we're living the biggest case of you hit me back first in a hundred years and what does the press have to say about it spin lies misdirection well there's one who can help you keep a clear picture one who deals only in the truth tnn the truth news network
2: and dan newman The truth doesn't have to be so mystical, does it? It is sometimes, but I think it's purposely being hidden by many people in the United States who would like to see us divided, more divided, divided worse, and continue to keep us divided because they see how they can garner political trust and leadership just because they diminish everybody on the other side. Division, divisiveness, that's the number one political tool in the United States today. Boy, looking back over our shoulders at all this nation has been through to 240 years, you would think we could get away from that, right? But somehow, for many reasons, people like to keep Americans divided. They can or they feel like they can draw more power from little groups that they have kind of, you know, when you cut one cow out of a herd, you're roping. You cut one out of a herd, well, that one that just leaves the herd is going to be easy to pick off. And it's, it's horrible to even think this is possible in our political system, but not only is it possible, that's what's happening every day. You find a weak person, somebody that you label as being weak, they're easy fodder. You can just go after them. You can just diminish them verbally. You can make them stay to the side or out of contact with anybody else in a group. And then you've got them. Dehumanizing people is what we're watching take place every day. Now, we used to think that only happens in places like China, China when they have political differences with people. Sometimes they kill them. Sometimes they do what they're doing right now in Western China. They send them to these concentration camps. If you differ with the Communist Party mantra, and they're even using them to harvest organs. That's all they are to the Chinese Communist Party. is just a source for harvesting organs, Oh my gosh, it's true, folks. More divisiveness than we've ever seen, more division across the globe than we've ever seen. It's even worse than when Adolf Hitler slaughtered seven million Jews in World War II. And Some of you, when I said that, you went, ah, I don't know about seven million. Well, so what if it's only five million? If you don't call that genocide, I don't know where you're living. We've got to begin to be very objective and when we seek to find things out about all the things that are important to us and have been for generations, uncountable generations as our country goes through different phase the next phase, the one after that, but one common trait stands in each of our lives. We're Americans. We're honored, we're blessed, we're fortunate to live in the greatest planet, even with its downside, as we're seeing illustrated every day now. Even in those situations, we're still the greatest country on this planet. Start your day every day. If you haven't yet, start this day by just expressing your thanks to God because he put you in a place, he put you in a country where we can live that way free and acquire and do what we want to do. Song to start the show with, don't you think? Man, when that came out back in the 70s, Rod Stewart, I'm I know I'm losing you. And man, all those wild guitar and drum licks there, it was considered hard rock. <laughs> oh, it wasn't it wasn't hard rock. We just thought it was. Hey, how was your weekend? What'd you think about the Super Bowl? I'm just gonna share my personal thoughts. I like both those teams. Do you know that I was physically at the first game that the quarterback for Kansas City played as a professional, his very first game? And the very first game he played in, it was against San Francisco. (laughs) It's kind of like deja vu last night. They get to play again. Of course, that other one, the first one was in preseason. And it happened in Kansas City. Mahomes was just coming out of um, Lubbock, Texas. What is that? Texas Tech? What, what 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 college is in Lubbock? Anyway, he was coming out of that. He was highly touted, went in the first round. And a close friend of ours was drafted in the fifth round, wide receiver out of Evangel Christian Academy in Shreveport, Trent Taylor. And so I saw Patrick Mahomes throw his first touchdown not touchdown NFL pass and Trent Taylor caught his first NFL pass in that game preseason game up in uh, Kansas City yesterday i got to i got to i got to just say this it was less than stellar the performances of either team and maybe it's because they are equally matched or pretty closely to being equally matched Um, You may remember a couple of years ago, the same results happened. Kansas City beat San Francisco. Not a great day for San Francisco's coaching staff because this staff that came in, they've lost in four years, they've lost two Super Bowl games to Kansas City. Kansas City, on the other hand, it looks like we may have another uh, Tom Brady-like event that is playing its way into NFL history. Homes in Kansas City. They just get the job done when they got to get it done. That's all you can say about it. What'd you think about halftime? Let me tell you the thing that just got me all the way through, even the preliminaries. People were unashamed to go on television and talk about their personal relationships with God. Everybody was doing it. Thanking God, halftime. They were talking about God before the music performance began. And afterwards, Patrick Mahomes, who's probably got the filthiest mouth of anybody on national television during NFL games, but he thanked God for his relationship with God. That that just makes me feel a little bit better. There's hope. If we, en masse as a nation, would stop doing what we're doing, and began to look around us and look at things other than ourselves and started thinking about God and the role that he plays in our lives, which everybody, even if you don't admit it, he does. God's playing a role in your life, one way or the other. And he wants you to become aware of who he is. That's for all of us. What does it hurt? I mean, it doesn't hurt anything. Did you see that that ad um, where it was one guy and it was a 60-second ad. $7 million, I believe, was the cost that that not-for-profit paid to do that. But this one guy was washing the feet of 12 different people. When I say different, I'm talking about different ethnicities, different parts of the world. You could tell. And obviously, it was a depiction of what Jesus did when he ceremoniously washed his disciples. All 12 of them washed their feet. And I mean, the nation just came unglued. That was one of the early commercial breaks during the Super Bowl. Come Near is the name of that not-for-profit. Come Near. They aired its ad featuring scenes of people all sorts of People washing someone's feet in emulation of Jesus. Many people felt like the ad completely missed the biblical point. I don't get that. The ad was to highlight hegetsus.com. He, being Jesus, getsus.com. That's a campaign meant to remind everyone, including ourselves, that Christ's teachings are a warm embrace, not a cold shoulder. That's from Come Near's website. If you missed it, the ad shows a total of 12 different scenes of one individual washing another's feet. Most appear to be white people doing the washing. None feature a minority washing a white man's feet. And some even seem to be telling white Christians not to be bigoted. The last one, in particular, features a white priest Washing the feet of what appears to be a member of the LGBTQ community. Another shows an older white woman washing the feet of a scowling young man outside a family planning clinic as pro life protesters stand in the background. Jesus washed the feet of friends and enemies. No ego, no hatred. He humbly loved his neighbors. How can we do the same? Woo. That story is found, by the way, in case you want to go read the whole thing. John 13, 1 through 17. It's usually taken as a lesson of humility delivered by Jesus to his disciples ahead of the Last Supper. But many on social media felt the ad was blasphemous and did not actually represent the lesson Jesus was attempting to impart to his followers at all. A guy named Patrick Webb posted this blasphemy. Don't fall for this satanic symbolism. Y'all shockingly forgot to mention that acknowledgement and repentance come before being washed clean. That was from Jordan Miller. Preston Marlowe said, completely ignoring the fact that while one yes did portray him ultimately. The only feet he ever washed were those of his disciples, not absolute strangers like this pedestrian ad is implying. How does Preston know that? That's the only place it was mentioned in the Bible, but there's a whole lot of stuff that wasn't mentioned in the Bible that happened while Jesus was alive 33 and a half years. Another one tweeted this This is blasphemous and makes the assertion that we should accept sin. Christ specifically implored sinners to change, not live and boast in their sin. He wouldn't condemn sinners, but he would condemn sin. Hence telling the woman at the well, go and sin no more. That's from Jimmy Dean. Not the sausage man, Jimmy Dean, he's dead. So many others felt that the ad was purposefully engineered to be a scolding, scathing attack, mostly on white people, that it was racist and pushing a left-wing narrative. Here's what Loyal Caps tweeted. A horrible, woke commercial. Once again, plenty of images of whites washing blacks' feet, but not one single image of a black washing a white man's hard-working feet. Pretty sickening to see Christianity used to promote an obviously leftist political message. It cheapens and debases the spiritual significance of Jesus Christ. That's from Harris H. Smith. And then he asked this question, Harrison, who's funding this? It appears to say Christians must be slaves to the third world. Many others wondered why this group spent upwards of $7 million on a television commercial instead of using that princely sum to help people. How about you use the money you wasted on a Super Bowl commercial to help people instead? $7 million is a small price to pay to increase Jesus's brand awareness. And then somebody who is named F the Supreme Court tweeted this. This is the last one. This money could have gone towards feeding the homeless, medical care, providing housing, so much more, all of which your profit did. You can do the same by not blowing millions on a commercial and and taking actual action. If you want to evangelize while doing so, I don't care. Do better. And again, that's from a guy that goes by his tweet, Twitter, X handle. F, the Supreme Court. Now, Every one of those dissidents you heard, you know what? They have every right, any right that they want to claim. They have the right to say and express those things, whether or not we agree with them. We could stay here all day and talk about the do's and don'ts, the good, the bad, the ugly on all of the stuff that happened. But that's not why. Those people put it out there. They wanted everybody to understand to Jesus, everybody's okay. Now, several of them mentioned how you could dare to depict Jesus. He didn't accept sinners, he hates sin. Why are you comparing Jesus washing the feet of the disciples to this one, which was people washing the feet of people you don't even know? What's the difference? Jesus was serving those who pretty much worked for him. We don't know who the people in that commercial were that were getting their feet washed. It was about the person who was sitting on the seat washing the feet. That's what it's about. And you know what? On the other side of that, there's a message that goes to people, anybody that's getting help. Sometimes you just need to swallow your pride and say, I can't do it. I can't figure it out myself. I need somebody to help me. And that, my friends, was the purpose of the story in the Bible. And I'm sure the purpose of the people that spent $7 million for that ad. It was to teach people Humility and caring for other people at the point of their need, not where you think they should be, but where they really are. That's my two cents. You got that for free. Another outrage coming from the Super Bowl. NFL's decision to play what many refer to as the Black National Anthem at the start of this year's Super Bowl game. The song is actually named, Lift Every Voice and Sing. It was originally written as a poem in 1899 by a guy named James Weldon Johnson, who was then the NAACP's executive for 10 years. The poem became a song when Johnson's brother, John Rosamond Johnson, composed an instrumental version of it. The song was first performed in 1900 during a celebration of former President Abe Lincoln, It was sung by a choir of 500 children at their segregated school in Florida. In times past, the song became a rallying cry against the realities of lynching, segregation, discrimination, but today it's mostly looked at as divisive and unnecessary given that lynching, segregation, and discrimination are mostly gone except for, on the wake left, those that considered themselves woke the nfl first committed itself to playing the song before season openers after the violent deadly blm attacks of 2020 it's been sung as part of the pregame game show since then but critics say it has no place in sports let alone at the super bowl because it's a song solely for black people not all americans now who can claim that how can you say that's not for me and I'm certainly not a black American, but I like the song. It's a good song. And the real detractors all they said hey, don't do that again. It's not about black or white, it's about the United States of America. We have one national anthem called the Star Spangled Banner. So obviously, probably more people than don't think that the Super Bowl and those things didn't unite anybody. But let me just give you a little lesson. Whether you want to agree with what I'm about to say or not, it's up to you. When you push back like these tweets that you heard on the other story and these and this one, and you just throw a a wall up, it's all about you. It's trying to teach you something that you are supposed to, if you consider yourselves a good person, a Christian or otherwise, just a good person, you're supposed to consider others before yourselves. So in that scenario, think about everybody else that was listening to that song, not just your own opinion. Obviously, there are a lot of people that like it and wanted it to be played in pregame. It's your right to like or dislike anything. So haters going to hate. Yeah, she was there, wasn't she? She flew all night to get from Tokyo to Las Vegas to watch her boyfriend play tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs. I, I have, I've, you know, I've never been a Taylor Swift fan. She's a great musician. I'll give her that. Writes really good songs. I'm not crazy about her politics. I'm not crazy about the few things that I see and hear about her in her private life. Um, she's very self-centered and I'm not just saying that from opinion I know and I've, I, as you know I read a lot constantly I've read a lot of stories that kind of confirm my allegment their allegation that she is self-centered but she has a right she's she's a, a an American that because of the capitalist system which I'm not so sure she likes she's politically way over on the left that's all I'm gonna say about that but she has a right to do and be with anybody that she wants to be with and say what she wants to say and express her opinion or not. She got a little kick in the shin over the last two weeks. Some guy was following her jet that she was traveling around, mostly in the U.S. on. She has two, by the way. One is a big one, a Falcon 900. It's got the three engines in the back, you know, two up against the side tail and one on top of that. And it's an international flying jet. The other one was mostly used for domestic travel. And for those of you that envy that and think less of her because she had two jets and she's selling one of them because some guy got her tail number on her jet. And there's an app. I use it all the time online. If you have a tail number of any plane on the planet, You can look it up instantly by the tail number. It'll tell you exactly where it is now, where it's going, if it has a flight plan filed, and where it came from. But this guy is doing it for political purposes, to track her carbon footprint. And it made her so upset because she is a leftist. She is a big climate change, green, New Deal advocate. And she didn't want anybody to do that, so... She sold the little jet. She's just got the Falcon 900 now. People are dying every day. People are crawling across the southern border. Many are dying on that trek across the southern border. And we're worried about her jet, what she's wearing, who she was with in the suite. I think we need an alignment in our thinking and our personalities in the United States of America. I don't ever want to think or foretell that this is going to happen or might happen, but it's something we need to think about. We need to get our act together. We need to get our priorities in the right place. And if you're hooked up on accumulation, and I've been there, I'm not fussing at anybody. I went through it. I did. I grew up in a Uh, Let me just explain this. In South Louisiana, I hunted and fished all the time. My family depended upon what I caught and what I killed to put on the table to eat. Now, we weren't poor, poor, but we didn't have two cents more than was necessary to live. And I mean just get by. I understand that mentality, and I wanted to get away from it, and I did. I've got a pretty good track record in business in my rearview mirror. I had some bad choices that I made that cost me dearly. No question about it. I think we all have good and bad. We don't know everything. Maybe sometimes we screw up because we don't listen and we jump out and do something stupid without vetting it. Before you can vet anything else, you got to vet yourself and find out where your brain is. And I say this all the time when we're looking for reasons why many things are happening in our politicians and our political choices and decisions they make. And I tell you this all the time, the love of money is the root of all evil. The love of money, not money, but the love of money is the root of all evil. And if you let it take hold of you and control you, you're going to have problems. So you put that into context now where our society and what this administration has done to us regarding personal economics, we're all doing. I don't care what anybody says. You're paying more today for anything and everything you buy than you were three years ago. No question about it. Costs are going through the roof. And they're still going through the roof. And they're coming out and lying to us every day. Things are good. The economy is good. Look what Joe Biden has done. More people working. And then every month or two, learned when all those rosy reports that they were talking about on Thursdays and Fridays about employment and unemployment, new jobs and all that, they were bogus. They've been lying to us. Fudging to make themselves look good in the eyes of the American people. And none of it reconciles with reality. But see, they don't understand. Very few people that are surrounding the leaders, the real leadership in this administration, they don't have much contact with the outside world. They don't go buy gasoline. Now, if we're talking about the working class people that work in government, they get it. They're living through the same circumstances we are. But very few of them know what it is to be struggling to figure out how you're going to buy tomorrow's lunch or feed your kids for the balance of the week, or make a car payment, or a rent payment, or a utility payment. I've been there. And I don't ever want to go back there. But if I go through it again, I'll know how to better handle it than I did before when we went through it when I was in middle school. It isn't fun. A lot of people go there and live there by choice. I've never understood that. So I'm not preaching to anybody this morning. I'm just telling you we can do better. We all can do better. We can trust God more. We can believe what he said do. And if I'm going to sink my teeth into something that I choose to do, and I decide that living for God, being a Christian, is the most important thing in my life, you don't have any right to say otherwise just like i don't have any right to pass judgment on what you're doing and i don't i want everybody and we're promised everybody that comes here you have the right to achieve whatever you want to achieve by law by the constitution now if it happens to be illegal that's a horse of a different conversation i'm not talking about that i'm i'm talking about you come here and you come here legally You have an unfettered right to pursue your dream, whatever your dream may be. And that's from top to bottom of living in the United States, every sector of it. If you want to be an agnostic, be an agnostic. If you want to be a Muslim, be a Muslim. If you want to be a Christian, be a Christian. And when people get in your faces, you got to understand, if you don't agree with them, they don't agree with you. Just because you think something's wrong and just because they see think, see something that's wrong doesn't mean it's wrong. And the flip side is also true. Just because you think something's right doesn't make it right. Same thing holds for them. But you still have the right to believe what you want to believe. Just reconcile this. There are costs that go along with everything we choose. You need to count the costs before you take it up to the cash register to bail out. Because you need to consider what it's going to cost you in the long term before you go outside and get in your car and take it home to be with you. That's a cheap lesson (laughs) from an old man, a 70-year-old man that made some horrible mistakes. Thankfully, looking back over my shoulder, I made more of the right ones than I did bad ones, but I've got some hiccups in my life, just like I'm sure you have one or two in your in your life as well. Where are we going? Well, I just wanted to do those two little tidbits about the NFL. I was a San Francisco 49 fan in that game, I gotta be honest, but I like Kansas City. I like Patrick Mahomes, I like the ownership of the Kansas City Chiefs. I want them to keep the name, no matter what the left, the woke crowd are trying to get them to do, insulting them. You know, the first one of these that really got bad was the Washington Redskins. You remember that? Then the Washington Redskin owner, Dan Snyder. I knew him. I knew him through professional football. He was an arrogant Self-centered guy, he inherited all his money, and he has a lot, (laughs) and that's okay. I wish my dad had had a lot and had left a lot to me. Um, You know, we build our lives around what our circumstances are, and then we kind of plan them. That's a starting point. And then we try to build it and make whatever circumstances we have today, make them better for tomorrow. Most of us do that. Dan Snyder, not so much. But one thing I had a lot of respect for him about, when when this mess first came out about the Washington Redskins, and by the way, it was still Washington Redskins when Dan Snyder sold it to the group that owns it now. They changed it to commanders. How the heck they came up with that. Whoever talked them into taking that to be representative of an NFL football team in that market is stupid. People hate it. I know people in Washington, D.C., they despise it. And even all of the other sporting teams that used monikers or names or logos of Native American tribes, I'll never forget this. When this was at the height of it, the beginning of a Washington Redskins game, when they do the coin toss, three chiefs of three Native American tribes... All three wearing Washington Redskin jackets walked to the 50-yard line with Dan Snyder to meet the referee there for the ceremonial coin toss. And all three of those men went public and sang. Naming this football team after the Redskins is an honor to Native Americans. It's a recognition of who we were and who we are. And Americans need to leave that alone. Of course, the woke crowd, they don't care what people they're supposedly looking out for really feel about things. And obviously, nobody went and asked these three chiefs. I don't know what tribes they were over, and it doesn't matter. Everything's relative. And we don't need to start changing things just because they haven't been changed in a long time. If you're going to do something substantive, find the substance first. Vet what the options are, if they even need to be changed. And in this case, without exception, none of them needed to be changed, just like these idiots are still going around and pulling down these statues. How do you decide where to start pulling them down, and how do you figure out where you're going to stop? There's not a person breathing air today or any that breathed American air before you and I have, that is worthy of being perfect enough to keep the woke crowd from coming and pulling down their statue. I've said this before. I quit saying it for a long time, but I'm going to go right back to it. You know what we're living in right now? Mob rule. Mob rule where facts don't matter, principle doesn't matter, righteousness doesn't matter. It's what a single crowd, small crowd, self-appointed crowd, determined on every issue you can think of, what's right and what's wrong. Well, why do they feel like this is wrong? Don't you dare go ask them. They'll give you a name. Don't ever ask about election fraud or election irregularity now in the United States of America. Somebody's going to, I promise, I'll get a text or an email about what I'm about to say. There was cheating in the 2020 election. It was rampant. Much of it has been proven in courts that the mainstream media won't even publish the stories about now. And they're finding more out every couple of days. Well, what's the response you get from the woke crowd? The Zuckerberg folks, they label you an election denier. You're a denier, an election denier, and they do everything they can to diminish you. They will not confront facts. They don't want to because this has been building and growing and building and growing for decades. Manipulating elections to get whatever outcome you choose. Many people in the United States Congress today privately have maintained, absolutely, there was vote fraud in the 2020 election. But after all the lawsuits, after the Fox News lawsuits by the election system, the election machine company, billions of dollars, that was a message that was sent to everybody else. We're coming after you. We're Dominion voting machines. You talk about cheating and accuse us of being part of it in any way, we're coming after you. And so now they won't even talk about it. Investigations into that are over. And that's exactly what the mob rulers wanted to see happen. Just sit down and shut up. We're running this show, not you.
3: Playoff time, baby. Games, snacks, drinks. I mean, what else can you ask for, bro? Really? Hey, pass me a Pepsi.
2: <sighs> I mean, can you drink any louder? That's how I drink. Loud like that? I drink loud. I like to enjoy it. Toss me some Lays. Did you eat any louder? It's normal to eat loud. Drinking loud makes no sense. Hayden, Eli! Road trip to the Super Bowl! Hard pass. Playoffs are on. You're paying for that door, by the way.
0: The bus! The bus
2: has got a bus! Let's go! Can we go see the bus?
4: What up, Eli? Mr. Cruz!
2: I miss you, buddy! I miss you, too, man. Super Bowl, baby, let's go! We're not going. I'm going to get more chips and drinks. Do not leave this room. I got you.
5: I got you. Super Bowl,
0: here we go! Are you kidding me? Technically, I didn't leave the room. I'll call her mom.
4: After I finish these chips. How much longer? You
1: drive weird. Bus, are we there yet? No. Hey, bus, we gotta pull over for some more chips and drinks.
0: Oh, you got it. Hey, guys, look who I found. Bradshaw? <laughs>
5: hey, guys, got room for one more. Got Doritos. Got Mountain Dew.
3: What, do we really want to bring him? It might start to feel crowded. I mean, maybe if we had a little... Oh, please don't.
4: You know, he'll Don't just... say it. Salsa.
3: <laughs> I love me some salsa!
5: All right, I got an idea. We got one seat left, and it's special just for you.
0: Let's do it! Whaaaa! Ah! like a convertible! It's up a whole lot better!
6: Welcome to McDonald's. May I take your order? Hi, can I get a... Uh... Can I get a... Okay, get get the McDonald's. Ooh. Ooh, can I get a... Uh, can I get a...
7: Yeah, uh, can I get a... Uh... 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 Go, Bubba,
0: go! Uh... Uh... Pick me!
5: No, pick me! Hey, can I get a... Uh... Ten-piece chicken
0: McNuggets.
8: And what sauce would you like with that? Uh...
1: So the left has the squad. There isn't enough beer to hold to watch what happens next. You are the Army of Truth. TNN, the Truth News Network.
2: That's us. We're here every day, Monday through Friday for you. We'll be here all this week. I've got something coming up in my next week, starting Monday morning. I just want to share with those of you that are faithful here. I am having a shoulder replacement next Monday morning. I won't spend a lot of time telling you how it happened. I was athletic, played football, played basketball, baseball, got hit a bunch of times. Um, anyway, my right shoulder is gone. And so when you get old, what do they do? They start throwing around titanium. So I'm getting a shoulder replacement. Right shoulder. Of course, I'm right-handed, so you can just imagine the chaos that I'm, <laughs> I'm about to face when I do this. We—I I don't know yet. Uh, I'm working with some folks that uh, that may be able to come in here and help us out for a day or two while I'm at least getting back to where I can sit in the studio and do the show again. We—the show will go on. Period. When well, I'm not not telling you we're not going to have a show i'm just telling you maybe for a day or two or three or maybe even four or five it may not be me it may be me and um we may abbreviate i don't know i'm really at a loss to tell you what's going to happen first of all if you would pray for me in the in the offing i would really appreciate it um I can't tell you how many people give advice when you tell them you're going to do this. The doctor, my doctor, who is the shoulder guy in this part of the country, he told me point blank, you need to prepare yourself shoulder surgery and recover afterwards is the most painful surgery there is. Thanks doc. (laughs) And he said, no, I'm telling you that so you can get prepared. And then, you know, it's going to be 6 to 8 weeks before things just begin to normalize things like writing when you're right-handed, things about taking a shower. You can just keep going and name all kinds of things and I get all kinds of advice. So anyway, just when you think about it, whisper a prayer and I'll keep you posted. Um I I won't be here in the flesh next Monday probably before we go do surgery early, early in the wee hours of Monday morning, I'll do the show and it'll be here in a normal fashion from that point forward for a few days, it's going to be a little bit different, but it's still going to be good. Our commitment is to bring you stuff, information that you need every day. We're going to do that, continue to do it. So let's just move on. We have one or two other important things to talk about, don't we? After the, uh, the massive domination last week of Joe Biden's mental capacity or Joe Biden's mental incapacity made front and center. And it was hilarious to me to watch some of the weekend shows where these Democrat politicians, ones that have been around a long time, you know, the older guys, especially in the Senate, they consider themselves to be the ones that we know what's right. We know what everybody should be doing. And so they went out there and they were just saying, how could this special counsel say that in this thing? How could they? Well, let me tell you what the guy did. When he started talking about, you know, he said, no charges pending because, and he gave the reason in his mind why he didn't file criminal charges against Joe Biden for the misuse of classified documents, which every time he did it, it was a felony. Well, you could say that about Trump, too. Different circumstances don't go there. You don't want to get in that argument with me. Joe Biden was never president. There's a whole separate class of do's and don'ts regarding presidents, current and past, their use and handling of classified docs, than a senator and a vice president nor a senator has the right or even a legal right to take classified documents away from the government at any point. Nobody's talking about that, but you read the laws. That's what the law says. A president has got all kinds of rights when he's in office and when he leaves office. And if they start filing charges against every former president that took and still have classified documents in their possession... I guarantee you every one of them would be thrown in jail. Just saying, this stuff, it just drives me absolutely crazy. It really does. But James Carville, serpent head, that's what his wife calls him after years of living with him. He looks like a snake. And he, he, he just doesn't do well on television, but he is a Democrat specialist. He knows all the stuff. And all these politicians that kept coming out and they were damning the special counsel for talking about Joe and the reason that he didn't indict Joe was because he's an elderly guy and probably any jury that was in a case where he was there, they would feel sorry for him because of his lack of constant memory. Oh my gosh, Democrats went crazy over the weekend. Stark raving crazy. I watched a lot of them. I laughed at a lot of them. But it's obvious they're scared to death because right now they don't have anybody else they can stick in the race, with the exception maybe of Mrs. Obama. And even though a lot of them try to discount that, every few days more stuff leaks out that says Michelle may be the person to replace Joe. It's going to be fun if that happens. You know why? How are they going to reconcile passing over Kamala, who's the vice president? She's not African American, but she's, she's a black person. Her mother was from India. Her father from Jamaica. Wouldn't it be racist if they passed over Kamala? She's the one that paid the price. Michelle Obama's never served in any office. The only real claim to fame of any kind on a national level is being the first lady for eight years. And as far as what she's learned and knows, you got to remember, her law license was taken away from her when she was back in Chicago before they uh, got into politics. Don't know about that. But back to Joe and his memory loss and that stuff. James Carville had something to say about it yesterday. Now,
5: Let's go to Better Minds about what this means, what it tells us about the state of play, and how it fits into the other headlines today. You had a big Supreme Court situation today. You had Vladimir Putin give a two-hour interview where I've rarely heard somebody speak as long and say as little of value. News Nation political editor Chris Steyrwald, legendary Democratic strategist James Carville, who should be feeling pretty good in this, in this moment right now. Chris, really interesting first that you can still have operational integrity in the White House, meaning that you and I didn't know what this was about until he came out and started to speak, although he did speak about the obvious event from today. What did you think about his performance and his decision to perform?
3: Well, he was in a real tough spot, and I'm sure a lot of Democrats were having deja vu uh, to the report that uh, the Robert Mueller, not Robert Mueller, I'm sorry, I'm, get, I'm getting my special investigations yeah. mixed Too up. Too many prosecutions, uh, that to get James confused. Comey, that, <laughs> that's right, that James Comey uh, dropped on Hillary Clinton at a similar point in her 2016 uh, campaign, mm-hmm. uh, coming out and uh, not charging her uh, but uh, saying that she was a, a, a fink, basically, that mm. she was a liar. And uh, Clinton uh, Hillary Clinton uh, responded to it, but it kept burning and kept burning. And Democrats mm. are in a similar situation this time, which is to say, Joe Biden doesn't have an integrity problem. He has an age problem. Uh, and he is seen by a, a increasingly large uh, majority of Americans as too old to do this work. And when you have it uh, on paper from the FBI, it's written down. That's what that's how they saw him, a uh, well-intentioned elderly gentleman uh, with a poor memory. So Biden was obliged to come out and do, as you say, come out and say, no, no. I am sharp. I am tough. I can do it. Right. And watching Biden, my heart my heart was really with him because I thought he's he knows he's he's under pressure to do this. This is a pressure play. He's got to do it and he's got to come out and be sharp and be tough. And he did OK. But then it wasn't all great. And it just is. The, it's the bind. Well, what's that, the not great uh, part? His party find themselves what's the in? not
5: great part. What, so, what do you think that you wish he, if you're one of his guys, you wish hadn't happened?
3: Well, I think having the, uh, the the press pool there the way that it was and shouting questions and chaos, again, these are about trade-offs. They wanted to get out there quickly. James can speak to this better mm-hmm. than I can. They wanted to get him out there quickly. So they got the reporters in there fast. It was a tight space, shouted questions. Well, but that's was, only bad uh, for us. Got, that's not bad
5: for him. Well, Having them shouting things I, like that at him, it just makes, reminds people why they don't like the media.
3: Well, that's true, but when you have numbers as low as ours in the press in terms of favorability, <laughs> but we can't we know what those gaggles Congress, has There's, become not, there's about. not much. It's all about shouting the most
5: obnoxious things so you can distinguish yourself from the gaggle and get a sub stack. I mean, you know, that's what they're doing. Now, I- you
3: know. Go ahead. But I, I, I don't. I don't think that Bi- the, what Biden needs to be able to do is have authoritative, commanding performances right. where he can dispel these questions, and that's what he wants to do. And while he certainly had moments where it was clear and he mm-hmm. was speaking forcefully, there were other moments where he slipped into his mumbles. There were other moments where he mixed up. I think he mixed up uh, Mexico and Egypt. It's it's hard. It would be hard for anybody at any age, but he's under. It's also hard.
5: I, I hear you, Chris. Jimmy, it's also hard when there's been a standard that's created, okay? When it was former President Trump, nobody said, uh, other than the fact that there was talk of the people around him of invoking the 25th Amendment, which people seem to forget. Uh, Nobody's saying that about Biden, uh, where he would come out and he read the word Thailand as Thailand. If Biden said that, uh, you'd you'd be ready for him to have a lobotomy. Uh, So there's a little bit of a a relative standard here. But I thought, Jim, that his line about uh, my memory is so bad, I I forgot I let you speak. I thought that was one of the best lines he's had at a presser since he's been president. What was your take?
2: Before Carville, let me just respond to Chris Cuomo there. We don't play CNN's bites very often on this show, but I wanted to get Carville in. You heard Chris, uh, the other Chris, Starwall, weigh in. He's a conservative. I don't know why he has now moved over to be a contributor all the time at CNN. That's a story for another day. But, Chris, nobody, nobody thinks Joe Biden has any problem. Look at what Trump said. Oh, my gosh. He said Thailand, Thailand. That means he's cognitively declined. Now, Cuomo's a TV guy. I can't stand to watch him because he makes up mistakes all the time. He screws up, he can't pronounce words. And they want to equate what, now look, it's 82% of Americans today think Joe Biden doesn't need to run for office again. 82%. Now, 82% is not comprised of only Democrats. There aren't that many Democrats. It's most of America. Is everybody wrong? And Chris Cuomo, you of course of all people, you think that Donald Trump has got all kinds of problems in the same veins as does Joe Biden. Here's what Serpenthead James Carville had to respond to Chris with:
9: "Wake up, Carville. What'd you think?" Oh, that's for me, okay, I, I didn't realize <laughs> that. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I thought you said sorry to Chris. Uh, yeah, I, I, what, I, what struck me is this: something he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. He looked like he was mad. I, I don't think the staff had to talk him into doing it. Right. I think he rare to go out and do this. What I also thought was interesting is he addressed one major political problem he has, and that's what's going on in Gaza. Uh, that's causing a lot of angst within, in the country, and particularly within the Democratic coalition. And he went out of his way to say that they were working with everybody, trying to get aid in there, which I think politically uh, was was necessary. I don't know if it would do any good, but it was necessary. Having said all of that, the problem is is this kind of confirms an existing suspicion, which mm-hmm. is always dangerous in politics. When people think something, they get a piece of information, they go, yeah, Martha, you see that? I told you that guy was old. And, and his problem is not so much what Trump people or Republicans, there are a lot of Democrats that have doubts about his age. But I think he did as well as he could have done under the circumstances. That, that's what— that, And did better than I, I didn't know what it was going to be about. Like most of us, I figured this was what it was going to be about. But this is not going to go away.
2: So I waited with bated breath because James Carville is a consummate Democrat specialist. He's an expert on elections, has great things that he's even quoted through the years. I quote him here all the time, all the time about some things that he says. He's just a good political commentator. All that being said, he couldn't put two sentences together to say something good about Joe Biden. At least Carvel's mostly honest. Now, remember, we all have opinions and we share them all the time. He does too. That's different from factual stuff. But he was him hawing around there in that short answer he gave to Cuomo. And it's because there's not much you can say that's good about Joe Biden, you just can't do it about not him personally. His operations as the president of the United States are dismal. And it's so stinking obvious they try to get whatever people they have left that think there really may be some good that Joe Biden might could accomplish if he came back and went stayed in the White House that they're going to say, well, you know, we hear all this stuff about Donald Trump, yada, yada, yada. But it's hard to find any good stuff there. And I'll take you back to what he did the other day in that uh, knee-jerk press briefing that he came out and gave that speech and then answered some questions. He should have never answered one question. I'll never forget about this.
9: My memory is fine.
5: My memory, take a look at what I've done since i become president. None of you thought I could pass any of the things I got passed. How'd that happen? You know, I guess I just forgot what was going on.
9: Mr. President, for months when you were asked about your age,
6: you would respond with the words, watch me. Many American people have been watching and they have expressed concerns about your age. That is your
9: judgment. That is your judgment. That is not the judgment of the press.
6: They express concerns about your mental acuity. They say that you are too old. Mr. President, in December, you told me that you believe there are many other Democrats who could defeat Donald Trump. So why does it have to be you now? Why, what is your answer I'm to that
3: question? the most
5: question? qualified person in this country to be president of the United States and finish the job I started.
2: He's the most qualified person in the country to be the president and finish what he set out to do. Yeah, he may finish this. I just hope he didn't set out to finish this the way it looks like he's going to end up doing as long as he sticks around. Just saying. It's just not pretty right now, folks. And we Americans, it's too late. This is unsalvageable. We can't put out there any kind of real reasoning that justifies four more years of a Biden administration. We can't sustain it. We're out of money. We're 50, not 30 something trillion dollars in debt. We have unpaid debts that we're obligated to pay, that aren't figured into our actual debt. They don't tell us that. Joe Biden can't lead us out of that. He can't lead us out of anything. He's taking us deeper. And if it's not Donald Trump, who? And if it's not now, when? We gotta make some choices, quickly.
1: Talking with you, not at you. Intelligent conversation. TNN. Here's the latest traffic
4: report. Looks like miles of trouble-free driving with Napa Auto Parts. Your local Napa Auto Parts dealer in Modesto has a full line of quality parts for your car or truck. Napa Auto Parts keeps America running and Modesto Auto & Truck is ready to keep your vehicle running in tip-top shape for years to come. So if you think your car or truck needs help under the hood, think of Napa Auto Parts at Modesto Auto & Truck Parts, 924 G Street in downtown Modesto, 529-8342. 529-8342. Ah, luxury. The aroma is full bodied, the flavor is decadent, the touch divine, and the drive? Yes, the drive of luxury is simply infinity. Introducing the Infinity Luxury Test Tour. If you think you are familiar with luxury, You haven't driven an infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove invites you to truly become familiar with luxury and take a luxury test tour. It's like a test drive, but with more luxury. We invite you to drive luxury to luxury. Not for an hour or even a day, but for an entire weekend. Your choice. Select your infinity and motor off to a luxury weekend in Lake Tahoe or Napa Valley. And yes... All the luxury is on us. Introduce yourself to LuxuryTestTour.com and truly become familiar with luxury. Infinity of Elk Grove is literally giving you the keys to a luxury experience like none other. LuxuryTestTour.com Drive luxury, drive infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove. Expect more.
2: I've said this before on the show. I'm one of the guys that I have a real confident sense in my heart and my mind that the Mexican cartels are connected directly to many people in our government in the United States. They're making a reported $1 billion a month off of the illegal immigration process, every part of it. It may be even more than that because there are waves that happen after these people get here in the way of drug trafficking, human trafficking, sex trafficking, selling people all around the world. Where are those 80-plus thousand unaccompanied minors that at the border, Alejandro Mayorkas's folks, turn those over to those non-governmental organizations, those not-for-profits that we're paying hundreds of millions of dollars for them to take these kids and place them in good, safe places for them with foster parents in homes. They've lost them. They can't tell us where they are. I can tell you where they're most likely. They've been sold. Did you know that our country, our nation, the United States of America, is the number one place, go to place, go to country on the planet in human trafficking? What does that mean? It means these cartels that bring these kids over here, they can sell them right here because people from the United States are buying them from other countries already. Why not just get them when they're closer? They're right here. You can go shop, see what you're buying before you pay for it. That's hard to believe, but those are facts that facts matter. Now, let me give you an example of what these cartels are. They are very sophisticated very plan-friendly, they're out there all the time, and they're about one thing, finding ways to take circumstances and morph those circumstances into big-time money. Right now, in the United States of America, what people are calling the last best, best place in America is overrun by Mexican cartels Because gangsters can charge 20 times the price for drugs, and overdoses are surging. What are you talking about, Dan? Where are you talking about? The cartels have expanded all the way north now. They're targeting our last best place by preying on vulnerable Native American communities in the state of Montana. A report released over the weekend showed Montana to be the second most addicted state. 18.2% of the state's population are using illicit drugs. And this is from 2021, 2022 numbers and 2023 numbers aren't even out. The number has been rising, obviously, as time goes on. Cartels from Mexico are drawn to the state of Montana because of how much money they can squeeze out of the residents there. Fentanyl, for example, can be sold for 20 times the price in Montana than other areas like urban centers closer to the border. The pills can be made for less than a quarter in Mexico and sell for 3 to $5 in urban cities but rake in up to $100 in parts of Montana. Capitalism, folks, the far left hate it. Look what the drug cartel has found out. The drug problem has specifically plagued Montana's Indian reservations where traffickers trap Native Americans in a cycle of addiction and debt. They have pushed the cartels aggressively into the notoriously beautiful state even forming relationship with indigenous women to gain access to communities and getting locals hooked on drugs. Tribal leaders are saying crimes and overdoses are surging and the cartels know who to choose. That's according to Stephanie Shooter, the American Indian Health Director for the Montana Department of Health and Human Services. Just like any other prey-predator situation, that's how it is, she said. Indian reservations, optimal targets for drug or organizations because they have high drug addiction rates, low numbers of law enforcement. Montana's opioid overdose death rate almost tripled between 2017 and 2020, and the rate of overdose deaths among Native Americans was twice the number of white residents. Traffickers have manipulated Native Americans into becoming dealers themselves, giving them an initial supply of drugs to sell and then turning them into addicts and indebting them to the cartels. Here's an example. Why haven't we heard about this? Why hadn't somebody told us this? That's a good question. In March of 2020, a former Mexican police officer working for the Sinaloa cartel tried to smuggle enough meth to supply the entire town of Townsend, Montana with meth for multiple days. The mule's name, Ricardo Ramos Medina, made it into the U.S., picked up a grocery sack containing two pounds of pure methamphetamine, which he planned to drive all the way from San Diego to Montana. Medina was pulled over by state and federal officers, was arrested, leading to the takedown of an entire drug trafficking ring that had brought at least 2,000 pounds of meth, 700,000 fentanyl-laced pills into Montana from Mexico over just three years. Three years. This massive rise of fentanyl in the U.S. has hugely impacted Montana. The state seizing 350,000 doses, 350,000 dose units of fentanyl compared to in 2022 when the number was half that. Right now, it's as if fentanyl is raining on our reservations, said Marvin Weatherwax, who serves on the Blackfeet Tribal Business Council. He represents the 15th District and the Montana House of Representatives. People are surprised. Drug epidemic surging from Mexican cartels is spread all the way to Montana. You're as far north as you can get in the U.S., and yet we have the cartel right here despite often being referred to as the last best place in America, Montana's been run down by the drug industry. We could go on and on and on, case after case after case. But it's everywhere. And this administration does nothing to stop it. And the vice president, remember Kamala Harris when those riots after the George Floyd death up in Minneapolis in the summer of 2020, when all that happened, she proudly set up and screamed from the mountaintops, We're going to defund the police. And in that vein, what we're going to do is we're going to cripple them. And they pushed for no bail. Before they got that done, she started a fund for people to donate to to bail these thugs the ones that were causing all kinds of mass confusion, bombing, firebombing, setting on fire, beating people up, beating cops up. We got to help them get out of jail. All they're doing is pushing back against those evil police people. That's what our vice president was doing before she got on Joe's ticket because of her skin color. You remember last week, the U.S. House of Representatives, they thought they had impeachment articles passed to get rid of Mayorkas or at least send him to a Senate trial for his issues that we've watched pile up at our expense. We'll never dig our way out from under it, totally. And there were several Republicans that they just went with the Democrat Party in voting about that impeachment. One of those guys decided over the weekend he's not running for re-election and this guy's been a really good conservative republican mike gallagher wisconsin he announced saturday he's not going to run for re-election this was big news benny johnson uh, benny benny johnson african american guy from mississippi he just went online and was screaming and hollering about it Gallagher's reasoning, he said this, and this is a quote, I think the institution of Congress is healthier when people serve for a period of time and then go home. Previously, he explained on Wednesday that he voted against impeaching Mayorkas because he just saw this issue differently, stating that he felt it was a matter of principle. Now, I would love to have him on the show so he could explain to you and me how is it, principle to allow a federal bureaucrat that works answers to only one person in government, the president of the United States, to make it okay every day to trample over multiple federal immigration laws illegally without question, breaking at least two laws. And breaking those laws are felonies for those who abet, aid and abet, Those people to break the law. How could Gallagher think that the institution is healthier when people serve for a period of time and then go home? And he voted against impeaching Mayorkas because he felt it was a matter of principle. The Constitution lays out the principle, Congressman Gallagher, the one you swore your oath to to protect and defend the Constitution, which the Constitution set up the rule of law and Mayorkas breaks it every day and his boss won't fire him. The only other option is for the people to take action, which you turned your back on. You need to go to the House. I can't believe people in that great state of Wisconsin put you up there anyway. There's another one. This one kind of shocked me. I'm glad it's happening, but squad member Corey Bush is now projected to lose her Democrat primary by 22 points. 22. Now she's 47 years old. She is behind her rival, well C. Bell, by a staggering 22 points. Bush has gotten a lot of backlash in recent months, including a federal investigation into spending misuse for her bodyguard husband. She's a squad member. She also came under fire for voting against banning Hamas terrorists involved in the October 7th attacks from the United States. She's behind rival, Welsey Bell. 22 points. She's on the ballot in the Democratic primary. The ballot, the, the, the primary will be on August 6th. She was hit last month with the federal investigation over allegations she misused taxpayer funds to employ her husband as her private security guard. The poll sample only 401 likely Democrat voters in the primaries that are coming up, but found a large chasm in the support for Bush compared to Bell. Bell, he's a prosecutor, well-known, St. Louis County, Missouri, registered at 50% support among those who were polled, Bush only got 28%. He has faced his own accusations of misspending $30,000 of taxpayer funds. This included expensing an 800 dollars dinner in a Miami steakhouse, spending $8,000 on new office furniture after he took office. The only other candidate in the Democrat primaries, former Statehouse Rep Maria Chappelle Nadal, registered at 4%. There, we're being told. Now, we've got a special election in New York uh, coming up tomorrow. It's a big one. Part of Long Island. We have the member of the House of Representatives that was kicked out of his seat for a multitude of causes several months ago. And we have a conservative legal immigrant female that's running against a former congressman out there and Democrats are just woo-hawing about all of this stuff. We're going to take the House back. We're going to get a big, big majority. We're going to keep the Senate. We're going to control the entire government. At least they're admitting that's what they're after right now. Americans, we better wake up. It's almost too late to say this thing. If they get a permanent majority, and let me just tell you what I'm talking about. If they win the House back, they increase their majority in the Senate, and they put another Democrat in the White House, the rule of law is gone. We will be literally, and they'll quit even denying that they are an autocratic machine, that they are going to govern everything. And this thing about we the people, that's history. They may still tell us that's what it is, but it won't be. It's barely that now. Joe Biden, he spends money like he owns Congress and doesn't give a rip. He absolutely doesn't care about the rule of law or the balance of power between the three branches of government. He doesn't. He wants to control the U.S. Supreme Court. Democrats trying to give it to him. It's supposed to not be political for the express purpose of what they're trying to do to keep it from happening. I don't know if you heard or not. Overnight, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin back to the hospital and he's in intensive care. His security staff brought him to Walter Reed National Military Medical Center 220 yesterday afternoon for symptoms suggesting an emergent bladder issue. The secretary is going to retain his duties, although the statement pointed out that Austin's deputy, the top U.S. military officer, the White House staff, and other officials have been notified within hours. That's, of course, what he didn't do last time when he disappeared for a week before they found out he was in the hospital. Even his boss, Joe Biden, didn't know about it, or Joe Biden knew about it, but he forgot about it. No indication that the ailment was connected to his prior operation to cure prostate cancer or the subsequent interventions and therapies to manage complications that emerged from the operation. And so they they issued the standard press release. He faced criticism from Congress and others, including us on this show, many of our listeners, after his closeted two-week stay to address complications that arose from a December 22nd procedure to treat prostate cancer. One week after he underwent non-invasive surgery to treat prostate cancer that was not disclosed to the president or other national security and defense officials, Austin was transported in an ambulance to Walter Reed after experiencing bad, bad nausea, severe pain in his legs and his abdomen. Doctors placed him in the intensive care on January 2nd to treat a urinary tract infection, but he received only non-surgical care, never underwent general anesthesia. None of us learned about the hospitalization until after New Year's. Shortly after Congress was notified, just a day after Biden Austin's deputy and top national security officials received the news. And he resumed full duties as Secretary of Defense the same day. I'll just go on record here and say it doesn't have anything to do with his military experience. I thank him for that. His military experience doesn't have anything to do with his skin color. It has to do with his work while he's on the job. This was not his first go-round. He was the head of CENTCOM, Central Command in Europe, from Europe, and he was over all military operations of the U.S. throughout the Middle East and North Africa. He failed on every one of those, dramatically failed. He had no business being promoted to Secretary of Defense, and he is, based upon the way he handled this hospital stuff, this is the guy that would be the one person that if somebody triggered a nuke our way, Joe Biden has the nuclear football with him. There's a military member with him 24-7, wherever he's going to be. In the case of a nuclear attack, we have about 13 minutes to respond. Joe Biden is the guy, but they would immediately call the Secretary of Defense and they would get on the same page. They didn't know where he was, had no idea where he was. His own number two person at the Pentagon didn't know where he was. He should be out as Secretary of Defense, period. Period. Interesting. Interesting things are happening. I like to hear people that will go, on the hook with their opinions about big, important things coming up. Super Bowl, who's going to win? I was asked that a hundred times. I wore my San Francisco jersey, and it had the name Taylor on the back of the jersey. That was a game jersey. A guy that's kind of like a nephew of mine, a Marianne. You've heard heard him on this show a couple of years ago when he went to a Super Bowl with... uh, With San Francisco, he was on this show. He was on his show two years ago when uh, the Bengals, where he was traded to, uh, the Bengals went to the Super Bowl. He was on this show as well. Uh, I have his jersey. Now, it wasn't his jersey. I couldn't wear his jersey. He's smaller than me. He's a football player, but he's a wide receiver, and he's probably about 5'8", 5'9". I'm 6'1". Anyway, all that being said, um, I supported San Francisco. I like San Francisco. I didn't bet on anything. I'm not a gambler when it comes to football. There are too many things that can go wrong. But all that being said, it's interesting when we say people tell us what they think about things and how they feel about things, but it's changed It has become so political. You remember all the time I used to tell you on this show, if you've been around a long time. This is our fifth season, by the way. Fifth season. A season for us is a year. So we're in our fifth year at TNN Live. I tell people all the time. um, We owe it to ourselves. We owe it to ourselves to do the best that we can do, that we think is best for us, and we go after it. That's a guarantee that we're given, that we have the right to go after it. But we don't have a right to demand that we get what we want. We have the right to go achieve it. Within the laws, we have a right to go achieve, do the things that we feel are necessary to get where we want to be. I get that. And when people in political office, they come out, or media or anybody around it, and they start making predictions – if they're credible people, I always stand up and pay attention. Dave Rubin, over the weekend, had Megyn Kelly on his show. I like both of them. They both have podcasts that are very successful. And so Megan was put on the spot by Dave Rubin to tell us who's going to be the next president of the United States.
8: Megan, come uh, mid-January 2025, who will be president of the United States, and then I will let you go.
6: People ask this because I,
8: I know, to to and this. that's why I'm doing it. Because you got me on that other one with the Trump and DeSantis thing, and now we'll just have a clip out there hanging there.
6: Um, I'm going to have to say Donald Trump. I just think I know. I know we're about to go through a year of indict—not indictments, criminal trials, and probably convictions, and maybe even the rogue judge who sends him into jail pending appeal. Unlikely, but maybe. Trump grows with every controversy, and I think it will be true this year as well. I've never seen the Republican base so angry about something. Even the ones who don't like him are going to try to send a message that that kind of electioneering that the Dems are doing to him is not okay. And Joe Biden over the next year is likely to have a fall or an impossible to ignore senior moment. And so I'd have to say Trump.
8: Megan, as I always tell you, you're on the top of my very short list of people who make me think that there are sane people in the world and we might exist in a couple <laughs> years from now. Uh, I feel like I owe you a bottle of tequila because of that uh, Trump DeSantis thing. For yeah. Do you have a specific type or do I have carte blanche here?
6: Yeah, carte blanche, as long as it's like, you know, white tequila. I don't want like any of the yellow stuff, like this lowbrow. Something, something
8: elevated, please. You want a cristalino?
6: I'll take it. Send it my way. I've learned if you put an orange slice in it like an orange orange rind not the slice it changes the whole thing you can have it over rocks without the caloric mixers boom you're home
8: as they say when they're drinking
2: tequila adios amiga <laughs> ruben and megan kelly i like them both now somebody's gonna say you know dave ruben he's he's a gay guy he's married and he and his partner have uh, adopted some kids I get that, I know it. You know, people are people. I make choices that offend other people. I don't know any that I've done recently, but probably there's something I've said or something that I thought or someone else thought that I did or said, and they're mad at me and angry with me. We're all that way. I'm not God. I know what God says in the Bible about homosexuality, and that's the way I believe. Why? Because God said it, not some leftist, Democrat-clinging media person. Megyn Kelly and Dave Rubin, they're different people, they are, but they get along. Isn't it better when we just get along and that we don't spend our lives arguing with each other all the time or diminishing someone because they don't think the way that we do man if we could just find a way to reconcile that process and put it in our lives and adopt it it, sh- it, it it would make everybody feel a whole lot better especially you and me if that's what we do all the time don't you think
10: the new Amazon Echo has everyone asking Alexa for help Alexa what time is it what the hell is wrong with this blasted thing <laughs> but the latest technology isn't always easy to use for people of a certain age. These kids have bought me a
3: busted machine again.
10: Odessa. That's why Amazon partnered with AARP to present the new Amazon Echo Silver. The only smart speaker device designed specifically to be used by the greatest generation. It's super loud and responds to any name, even remotely close to Alexa, so they can find out the weather.
0: Allegra. What is the weather outside?
9: It is 74 degrees and sunny. Huh? It is 74 degrees and sunny. Where? Outside. What about it? The temperature outside is 74 degrees and sunny.
10: I don't know about that. (laughs) The latest in sports.
9: Clarissa, how many did old satchel strike out last night? Satchel Paige died in 1982. How many did he get? Satchel Paige is dead. He what now? Died. Who did? Satchel Paige.
10: I don't know about that. <laughs> Even local news and pop culture.
9: Manita, what them boys up to across the street? They are just playing. They what now? They are just playing. You say they just playing now? Yes, they are just playing. I
10: don't know about that. Here <laughs> it to smart devices like your thermostat.
0: Alessandra, turn the heat up. The room is already 100 degrees. Are you trying to kill me, Alessandra?
10: The new Amazon Echo Silver plays all the music they loved when they were young.
7: Angela, play black jazz.
0: Playing, uh, jazz.
10: (laughs) It also has a quick scan feature to help them find things.
0: Emilia, where did I put the phone? The phone is in your right hand.
10: And it has an uh-huh feature for long rambling stories. So then I gave him
8: $5, and he said I only gave him $1. Uh-huh. I said, I know I gave you a five. Uh Uh-huh. Because I only had a five and a one on me. Uh-huh. And this is the one dollar right here.
10: Uh Uh-huh. So, I mean, you tell me who's crazy. Amazon Echo Silver. Get yours today. I said get yours today. To order Amazon Echo Silver,
3: send a check or money order to Amazon.com right now.
1: When the left seeks to impeach a president for resisting efforts to frame him, you need clarity. And you get it right here at TNN, the Truth News Network. And again, Dan Newman.
2: Just thinking during the break, have you realized how many of those self-acclaimed, proud-to-be-sanctuary-cities leaders have come out now and they're in panic mode screaming for help from American taxpayers? Think of it. New York City, Chicago um, Denver. Denver's probably the latest. Oh the weekend Democrat mayor there is imposing wartime like shared sacrifice on Americans rather than curbing his welcome for the tens of thousands of illegal migrants that are there right now. His name is Mike Johnson he's a Democrat. Like other Democrat big city mayors is also, Hoping his imposed sacrifice on Americans will spur voter turnout against former President Donald Trump. Now, you explain that to me. When Donald Trump was president, this wasn't happening. Bam, we got Joe Biden. And guess what happens? They start flooding across the southern border. But he wants Americans because of what is happening in Denver. He's let declared they are a sanctuary city. And so what happens? Illegals come across the border and they want to go to places that are sanctuary cities, like his place. He spoke at a February 9th press conference. That was three days after a Republican revolt blocked the more migration deal pushed by Mitch McConnell. McConnell's deal opened Americans' borders to the government-directed mass inflow of migrants, and it also provided $5 billion to help the migrants settle in a myriad of cities and towns. The mayor said this, this is a plan for shared sacrifice. Johnston had already granted aid and support to 35,000 illegals as he slammed the Republicans' defense of Americans. He said, I'm here to talk a little bit about the devastating impact of the failure of Republican leadership in Congress this week to pass regime change. Now, what does he mean when he said Republicans needed to help the Democrats pass regime change? Joe Biden, his guy, is the guy at the top. What regime is he wanting to change? He continued. That and that the impact that we'll have on both city budgets and on services that we can provide for newcomers in the city will start to have to green light a set of hard choices on budget reductions across our city, to meet those costs that we know will continue to arrive. A report by the Congressional Budget Office back in February provided more evidence that the establishment's migration policy shifts family wages and workplace investment toward Wall Street, real estate, coastal states, and government, while also diverting politicians' focus away from American communities. Example. And Denver. 20,000 hospital visits by the Democrats' wave of poor migrants, 20,000 of those forced a partial shutdown of a city hospital. In February 7th, on a speech to Democrat voters, Johnston excluded any criticism by pretending that everyone believes Americans must welcome Biden's huge flood of illegal migrants whom he described as neighborly newcomers. He slammed the Republicans' very popular defense of our borders. Duh! He called it cynical. It's the freaking law, Mr. Mayor, while pushing a progressive-style defense for the migration that sidelines and impoverishes millions of ordinary Americans. He said this, That kind of cynicism, that kind of mean-spirited intent to make Americans suffer and to make cities struggle should disqualify you from ever seeking office in this country. If you want a government that serves our cities and our people, including migrants, we have to pay attention to folks that refuse to do that. And we have to remember when it comes time to vote, I know I will, I hope you do the same. Instead of doing what... Our forefathers set up as a kind of a base structure that has been amended throughout the years. Laws change, environments change, people change, circumstances change. So we make laws later when they don't fit. We can amend them. We can kick them, while, uh, kick them to the curb, throw them in the trash can, and replace them. Mr. Mayor, you're supposed to take care of your city, Denver. You're not serving in the U.S. Congress. You have people in Congress that represent your state. Those are the people that have the sole constitutional right to change stuff in law that people don't want. The people of America vote for those people to go represent them in Congress, and if the people they voted for go up there and do what their wishes of their supporters are, sometimes... Those decisions don't go your way. But the people in a democracy have the power to choose who will represent them in government. And the reason it's still illegal to cross into the border, it's still illegal for people to help other people come into the nation illegally because those are felonies after multiple times of doing it, and they are, every one of them now, felonies, why not just stop the felony wrongdoing from happening? It would solve your problems. I'm not going to pay a dime for your bad choice to make Denver a sanctuary city. He said, we're going to campaign on this, and we're going to remind the American voters that given a chance to solve the border crisis, Republicans walked away from the table out of subservience to Donald Trump. No accountability, no personal accountability, no voter, no Republican decided Denver should be a sanctuary city, which means y'all come here, we'll take care of you. They came there, and he took care of them, and then he realized he made a bad choice, so he wants to blame somebody else. Man, I dealt with that at my house for years. I don't need another son, Mr. Mayor. You made your choices. You live with them. And by the way, you need to write a check, too, to pay for your part. Wow. So what? what is really going on around the nation? Get down to the nitty-gritty. How is all the, this flood of immigrants, how is it changing our voting system? It is changing. In a city where nearly 200,000 illegals have arrived in less than two years, the Big Apple, the issue of border security alongside its subsequent increased crime, it's looming over a February 13th, that's tomorrow's special election in New York's 3rd Congressional District. Two candidates after that seat. It was held by Representative George Santos until he was ejected. Both candidates, Tom Swasey, a Democrat who held the seat for six years prior to, prior to Santos, and Republican Maisie Pillip, a Republican member of Nassau County's legislature. These two hold divergent views on illegal immigration issue, and Ms. Pillip has accused Swasey and fellow Democrats of helping to cause and exacerbate the crisis. She said this, thanks to Biden and Swazi's open border policy, almost a quarter of a million migrants have arrived in New York. In fact, a migrant-tent city was built right here in Queens Village to house 1,000 migrants. Brandon Judd, who's president of the National Border Patrol Council, said the organization chose to endorse her because Mr. Swazi is in favor of sanctuary cities. He was for ensuring the New York police could not interact with federal agencies as it pertained to illegal immigrants in his district. Swazi called the endorsement illogical. The only real solution to immigration requires a bipartisan effort that requires tougher border security with common-sense reforms that stops illegal immigration and create a pathway for those who follow the rules. We already have it. We already have it, Swazi. We have it. It's called... Our immigration laws. There is no such thing allowed in immigration law to come here illegally. Everybody is to come here legally. A million already each year come here and have for decades. That's what the law says. Who gave you and your fellow Democrats to try to convince Americans that just because you don't like the law, you're going to not abide by the law? And your president won't abide by the law when doing that is a felony every time it happens. Swazi bears the stigma of belonging to a party that many voters believe allowed the crisis to develop on its watch, which they did. It was okay. It was sustainable. When Donald Trump left office, Joe Biden comes in even before he took his oath of office. They were flooding across the border because of what he promised he was going to do in his one campaign speech when he campaigned for the presidency. By his estimate now, there are 67,000 illegals in city shelters. More than 174,000 have flooded into the city since the spring of 2022. That district out on Long Island, 3rd Congressional District of New York, It partly overlaps with northeastern Queens and includes many towns and suburbs that are easily accessible from the city. Manhattan has become a flashpoint for public outrage over the out-of-control immigration and crime. Viral images of the January 27 beating of those two New York City police officers. It's gone viral. We've seen it hundreds of times. Then according to store employees who spoke to the New York Post, On condition of anonymity, the perpetrators were illegal immigrants who had committed repeated flash mob robberies of the store with impunity in the days leading up to the incident. New York Governor Kathy Hochul, her comment to reporters on February 1 that the attackers involved should be deported. That strikes many observers as too little, too late. So Santos, if you remember, he was kicked out of Congress in a vote on December 1st, 311 to 114 among the members of Congress. They expelled him, and it was because of a 23-count federal indictment that alleged a lengthy record of fraud, lies, misuse of public funds, and it was only the sixth time in Congress's history that such a move like that has happened. But in the balance of power up there, folks, this could be a really rough shot against the Democrat, uh, against the Republican, very slim minority in the House. If they lose, if Swazi wins tomorrow, it's going to be even tighter to try to get any conservative legislation passed. So if you kept up with old Hillary, what she's been doing of late, what she has to say... We reported when she got this gig, she got a, um, I don't even know what you call it. She got a gig at Columbia so she could teach a class. And the people that attend that class when she's there, most of them can't stand her, and they're very vocal about it. Listen to this report.
5: Hillary Clinton probably thought she was getting a safe, cushy job when she teamed up with Columbia. Shows up to campus a couple times a month, lecture, lunch, leave by four, collect the check. But sadly for Hillary, that hasn't been the case. Turns out young liberals hate her. She can't go anywhere on campus without getting heckled. Thank you very
0: Hillary much. Dyer and Clinton.
5: That's my name. Are That's a right.
0: War criminal. The people um, of Libya. Uh, the people of Iraq. The people of uh, Syria. The people of Yemen. Sir, the people sir, of going Palestine. To as well. We'll I'm lighting the university called of Roder- I'm asking you to leave. The delegates will now escort you out of the building. You Thank you. Uh, can you, uh, out. Go sir? Let's
2: go. <laughs> uh, that guy that was at that class—he obviously had some bad feelings for Hillary. Oh my gosh! And they say that's happening almost every time she goes there to give a speech. I wonder what they know that we don't know. Or maybe we know the same stuff. They're just getting a little vocal about it. Oh, well, Democrats march from the tune of a different drum than most of the rest of us do. Did you know that yesterday, Super Bowl Sunday, Congress was in session, at least on the Senate side? They were working yesterday, and they advanced while everybody was watching the Super Bowl, they advanced a ninety five billion billion with a B aid package to fund Ukraine, Israel, and Taiwan. eighteen Republicans voted with them. Now this, my friends, is nauseating to me. Let me just tell you who they are. Shelley Moore, Capito. She's a Republican from West Virginia. All of these are Republicans. Bill Cassidy from my state, Louisiana. Susan Collins, Maine. John Cornyn, Texas. Joni Ernst, Iowa. Chuck Grassley, Iowa. John Kennedy, here in Louisiana. Mitch McConnell, Kentucky. Jerry Moran, Kansas. Mark Wayne Mullen, Oklahoma. Lisa Murkowski, Alaska. Mitt Romney, Utah. Mike Rounds, San Diego. Dan Sullivan, Alaska, John Thune, San Diego, Tom Tillis, North Carolina, Roger Wicker, Mississippi, Todd Young, in Indiana. Chuck Schumer, he got it done, and he acknowledged it was unusual. He said, I can't remember the last time the Senate was in session on Super Bowl Sunday, but as I've said all week long, we're going to keep working on this bill until the job is done. This comes after the Republican senators Wednesday of last week voted against advancing a compromised border security bill that would have allocated even more money to foreign countries while largely ignoring the U.S. border. On Thursday, Schumer fulfilled his promise and the Democrat-led Senate advanced a streamlined bill aimed at providing aid to Israel, Ukraine, and Taiwan but not the southern border that is currently invaded by illegal immigrants. In a 67 to 32 cloture vote, the Senate crossed party lines with several Rhino Republicans and name only senators joining the Democrats to move that foreign aid bill forward. So, following Sunday's vote, Mitch McConnell released a statement. And I'm going to read it to you, but it makes me nauseated. From the earliest days of Vladimir Putin's escalation in Ukraine, America's closest allies and partners have been paying close attention. From halfway around the world in the Indo-Pacific, our friends have made it clear that in the Ukrainian people's fight, they see their own future. From Taiwan, Ukraine's survival is Taiwan's survival. From Japan, security in Europe and security in the Indo-Pacific are inseparable. From Australia, It is absolutely in the interest of every free country that Putin's aggression fails. But why? Why would peaceful people dare to get involved in others' fights? Why would leaders in Asia contribute billions of dollars and weapons to help Ukraine defeat Russian aggression? Why would the Prime Minister of Japan and the President of South Korea bother with long journeys to wartime Kiev to express solidarity with Ukraine? Why not just pull up the drawbridge and keep quiet? Because our allies and partners are not naive, because they know that unchecked aggression begets more, because they know that victory for Russia means a green light for China, because they know that neglecting Ukraine's fight to restore its sovereignty raises the cost of defending their own. Our partners don't have the luxury of pretending that the world's most dangerous aggressors are someone else's problems and neither do we. So today, it is no exaggeration to say that the eyes of the world are on the United States Senate. Our allies and partners are hoping that the indispensable nation, the leader of the free world, has the resolve to continue, and our adversaries are hoping for something quite different. Friends and foes alike pay close attention to what we say here and how we vote, because America leadership matters, And it is in question. But let's be absolutely clear. The United States didn't give our greatest generation to the fight against Nazi Germany or commit half a century of focus and resources to defeating Soviet communism just out of a sense of altruism. And we aren't helping partners resist authoritarian aggression today out of some warm and fuzzy sense of charity. We have equipped the brave people of Ukraine, Israel, or Taiwan with lethal capabilities in order to win philanthropic accolades. We're not urgently strengthening defenses in the Indo-Pacific because it feels good. We don't wield American strength frivolously. We do it because it's in our own interest. We equip our friends to face our shared adversaries so we're less likely to have to spend American lives to defeat them. For years I've worn and I'm I'm not even going to go on anymore. All of that is nothing but drivel. All they would have to do to get the support of almost every Republican regarding aid for Ukraine, for Israel and Taiwan is to go back The $100 or so that we've already given to Ukraine, not one dime of it was accounted for. There was no accountability built in. Those were blank checks or free military equipment and supplies that we sent over there. What have they done with them? What have they done with the money? We reported here that one former general in Ukrainian's military, absconded with multiple millions of our dollars and nobody knows where it is. If they would just put an auditing clause in the bills that they write to give taxpayer money away instead of in lieu of defending our own southern border against illegals that are flooding across. I don't want to send a nickel to anybody else until we, who are the ones that they all look to for a blank check, we're the ones that are getting beat up, and our government will not even acknowledge that we have let in millions of people that are potential terrorists, and many of them already are. We caught them when they came in or found out that they were after they got here. We're tired of giving everything away and nobody giving a lick about what situations we have here. You can't do any good for anybody else unless you're okay. You know what they called out where I come from? Facts. And facts matter. Northern Tool and Equipment. My girlfriend has
1: given me a pet name.
2: I'm afraid to ask snuggle muffin no it isn't
1: and she uses it in
5: public okay so give your girlfriend a pet name she'll hate like uh thunder chunky
1: i couldn't do that
5: i see too harsh for snuggle muffin okay drown her out with a 200 mile per hour cordless leaf blower
1: got it here she comes
0: hey snuggle Muffin! Oh, what are you doing snuggle snuggle, snuggle- i am so
8: out
6: of here wait Come back, Thunder Chunky.
1: There's no problem a little horsepower can't solve. Northern Tool and Equipment.
3: I'm Chad Hall, and I'm here with the first ever Silverado ZR2. This is probably the first time you've seen this truck, but I've been racing a prototype version for over a year. Which just inspired this pre productive truck you see behind me. Let's go see what it'll do. Can I do this table? Copy. It's got phenomenal power, acceleration, good ground clearance, skid protection, and you've got the Multimatic GSSV shocks. So it's just going to be that much more of a fun truck.
8: you want to go a little faster,
5: go for it. Copy. It's an amazing truck. You're going to want to get your hands on a one. Nervous? Yeah. Oh, Blaze. Brings back so many good memories. Remember our road trip in 97? You're still the one I
9: to. Our first real heart-to-heart.
5: I've never seen any of your movies! Not even the ones we're in together!
9: Hey, do you remember when that stalker kidnapped us? Yes! Blaze was there. Blaze.
5: Do you have barbecue? Or a cheddar jalapeno? Ooh. Oh! Remember when we stumbled into that turf war? Ah!
1: Remember when you bought your first
5: house? Hi! Ah! Hey, I'm Seth! Those are good times. They were golden. You ready? Seth, do you? I do. And Janet,
1: do you? Yeah. That's a yes.
2: story for you today. This is a sad one. A mother in Missouri has been accused of baking her newborn daughter to death in an oven. That's according to the Daily Mail. The mother claimed she thought the oven was a crib. Maria Thomas, age 26, was eventually charged with endangering the life of a child After one-month-old, Zariah May was discovered dead with burn wounds. The authorities were called to the woman's Kansas City home after reports the child was not breathing. When the cops arrived, they discovered the infant had been covered in burns. Her blackened clothing had been melted onto her diaper. The New York Post reported that Thomas told authorities she was putting her child down for a nap and accidentally placed the child in the oven, instead of in a crib. My heart goes out for that baby, incidentally. Friends and family suggested Maria Thomas had mental illness, probably played a role in this horrific incident. Hate to end a day on anything like that. Hate to ever think that kind of stuff happens, but it does, probably far more often. And we want to admit, hey, guys, again, you're so appreciated. Thank you for being here. We're going to be here every day this week, nine to 11. Want you to be here. Have a great day. Hopefully we'll see you tomorrow morning. So long. When
7: you're down and trouble and you need a helping hand and nothing. Just call up my name And you know wherever I am I'll come running Oh yeah, baby, To see you again Winter, spring, summer or fall and All you got to do is call And I'll be there Yeah, yeah, yeah You've got a friend If the sky Above you Should turn dark And full of clouds And that old North the end of low. Keep your head together and call my name out loud now. Soon I'll be knocking upon your door. You just call. Oh, wherever I am, I'll come running, oh yes, I will see you again. Winter, spring, summer or fall, oh, yeah, all you got to do is call, and I'll be there, yeah, yeah, yeah. got a friend people can be so cold they'll hurt you and desert you well they'll take your soul if you let them oh yeah but don't you let them you just call out my name and name. and you know I'll come running to see you again. Oh, babe, don't you know about winter, spring, summer, fall. Hey, now all you've got to do is call. Lord, I'll be there. Yes, I will. You've got a friend. got a friend, yeah, ain't it good to know you've got a friend, ain't it good to know you've got a friend, oh yeah, yeah, you've got a friend.